Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humble hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day now promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions and those things, Lord, to place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that I get to share with my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that you've kept us in good health and perfect peace as we go to and fro in this world, Lord, in all kinds of danger, all kinds of things that we have to deal with, Lord, seen and unseen that you have been faithful, Lord, to look after us and watch over us with all that we do. I'm asking, Lord, that we can live a life that is more pleasing to your eyes, that is more abundant, Lord, one that will make you say to us one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So I'm asking, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of tension, every spirit of confusion, Every spirit, Lord, of unbelief, every spirit of rejection, every antichrist spirit, Lord, let them be moved out of the way, Lord, and let your word get through. Let it pierce the hearts, Lord, and between the joints and marrow, Lord, that we may be fed spiritually and our houses built up in Jesus Christ. For you are the only way, Lord. And I'm asking that you make that so that all understand this, that without you, there is nothing that we can do. And through you, all things consist. For you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy to be praised. Lord, do these things for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so tonight's study is going to be called um, the Worldwide, the World Mission Society Church of God. That's how I'm going to head it to make sure people, you know, pay attention to it this time. Because all you got to put is debunked on the list and people just, you know, turn it off and not even tune in. But um, one of the things that we want to get into is the deception of this church. And I mean, it's growing rapidly. I don't know if anyone here has ever heard of it, but it's called the World Mission Society Church of God. And I mean, it's taking things over and it's all to do with what we would consider um, that same Jezebel spirit that we've dealt with in the past. So we're going to cover a lot of things because I think we've actually found an organization that can be somewhat more deceptive even than the Jehovah Witness organization and others. So um, before we get into that, I know Sarah's got something to present and then we'll get right into the lesson. But, you know, you definitely want to pay attention to this because we found people that can twist the Bible in ways and make it all seem scriptural and make people believe that this is the truth and be dead wrong. All right. I don't know if you guys ever heard of the Mother God worship, but that's what this church is involved in. So we're going to cover this just to, you know, let people see that they may have some truths, but I mean, a lot of it is mixed up in deception and lies. And we're going to get to the core as to why this is and why this is going on. What makes people believe in a Mother God, even though the Bible doesn't even speak of it? So it's one of those things that they're going to try and put together to make people believe and 
we're going to break it down and debunk all of it. So I'm going to give it to Sarah right now, and uh, we'll get right in. So tonight, we're going to look at the two different meanings for the word, word, in the Bible. There is the logos and the rhema. The first one we're going to look at is the logos. And I'm just going to read some stuff here, and then we're going to get into some scriptures that talk about it. It is important for believers to understand the difference between the two terms for word, word of God, logos, and rhema. Now, logos is Jesus Christ who is the living Logos, living word. Logos is also the entire spoken word of God, the mind of God as revealed in the God-breathed, God-inspired, Holy Bible, Old and New Testament. New Testament. The Apostle John supports this, these definitions of Logos when he says, In the beginning, this is John 1, 1 and 14, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Put differently, Logos, the written word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, the readers are provided the basic information about God and the word, Jesus Christ. For this last reason, when people read Logos, the written word of God, they only receive surface knowledge, surface understanding, and surface wisdom about God, His Son, His Holy Spirit, and God's promises. Without a doubt, no one receives the deeper spiritual meanings and applications of God's word just by reading the Logos, because in Logos, God's written word, God has said that even believers need the Holy Spirit to illuminate the deeper mysteries of God that are hidden within Logos. So from here, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. First Corinthians 2 verse 10 but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searches for the spirit searches all things yea the deep things of God for what man knoweth the deep things knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things we also, also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the, mat the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now I know that this is something that has been you know, obviously read before, but it is true. Um, because people can, everyone can read the Bible. That doesn't mean that they totally understand what is being, you know, what is written. You know, so it is, 
gaining that the understanding of the logos through the rhema and having that understanding and we're going to get into that uh i don't want to jump ahead but we are going to get into that a little bit further consequently even the god kind of supernatural post-resurrection that means after christ died and raised again on the third day faith which comes from hearing the rhema which uh romans 10 17 i'm just going to read that so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god also also cannot be received just by reading logos because if it could then everyone both sinners and saints would have this God kind of supernatural post-resurrection faith would have the measure of faith that renews, cleanses, saves, and justified. And I believe that is also true. And we're going to go to, to back that up. Let's go to Hebrews 6 and 1. No, no, no. Just go. Yeah, we're done there. And it's not to say that you can't read the scriptures. It's not to say that you can't read the scriptures and and have understanding, but what it is saying is is that I mean there's been stuff that I've there's been things that I've read in the scripture before, like maybe in the Old Testament that I didn't necessarily understand. And I had to pray out for understanding, like, Lord, what do you want me to see in this? What is this saying? And he would reveal it to me. And sometimes it all depends on your understanding of the scriptures as to when he will re- reveal things to us. Maybe we're not at that point yet where he says, okay, you're coming along, but this is not just yet for you. I want you to go here first. I have understanding for over here. Because that's happened to me. I've read stuff. I was like, okay, I prayed for the understanding. And the understanding actually came through reading something else, and then I went back to that. So uh, it just all depends on uh, our understanding as well. So, okay, Hebrews 6, 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines, the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do, if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good work of God, and of the power of the world, that world means age, to come, if if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So to get to what what they're saying with this is, and I'll read it again, it said, because if it if 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 it could then everyone, both sinners and saints, would have that God kind of supernatural post resurrection faith, would have the measure of faith that renews, cleanses, saves, and justifies. Well, what we're reading here in Hebrews, uh, what the disciples or the apostles, what they had gotten so far into is they were so filled with the Holy Spirit, they got to that perfection level that it is saying here, it would be impossible for one for you to go back to sin. It should be an impossibility. Once you get to that level of, of being that filled with the Holy Spirit, you're on fire for the Lord, you're going out and you're preaching and teaching the gospel, it should be impossible for you to go back. I mean, sin should just be so far from you at that point. You're not even, why would you even want 
to go back to sin at that level. I mean, what would be the thought process for you to want to go back? And yes, it's a maturing process. I'm not perfect. I still have things in my life that need to be purged out. So I'm not saying I'm perfect and I got it all down. But that's the level that we want to get to. So, okay. So that's what that is saying there. Okay, and we'll keep reading. Therefore, generally knowing, understanding, and having the wisdom about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in no way could mean that the Logos and the Rhema are the same thing. Because the red and or preached logo, Logos doesn't always become the Rhema. And I believe that is true because there have been times when I've been studying uh, just in my own time or studying to, to present something. I think, like, why am I presenting something that's been presented, like, several weeks in a row and here I am going to do it again? And that's because... Maybe the person that's coming to this night's Bible study or any night's Bible study, this is their first time here, and this is the first time that they are hearing it. So it could be for that person, or maybe the last time it was presented, the person it was for wasn't there, and now they're coming again, and they need to hear it. So it's not always, it can't, it may not always be for everyone in the group. It may just be for one or two particular people, and that's why it's being presented again. Or maybe it is for everyone in the group. You know, we don't know, but that's why we have to ask the Lord, Lord, why do I need to present this again when I've already done that? Hey, it's happened before. We've presented stuff. We've read over stuff in the past that we've read over before, and maybe that person didn't hear it the last time. So that's just something there that, um, you know, for that purpose, that it could be for that person. Okay, I'll keep reading here. The divine truth, that is, even though Logos is given to everyone, to anyone that would hear or listen to the preached Logos, Rhema is only given to the believer who is waiting on the Holy Spirit to quicken and illuminate every read and or preached portion of Logos. Because only the Holy Spirit's supernatural working can turn Logos into a personal Rhema for a believer, i.e. makes the Logos spiritually alive and spiritually insightful, for a child of God. And I'm going to read here 1 Corinthians 2, 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So what that is saying there, it is the Holy Ghost that comes upon a person that you will want to seek Jesus Christ out in your life. So that's what I believe it is for. Again, if you're reading the Word... If you're reading something you don't understand what it means, call out to the Lord. He will give you that understanding. Okay, so I'll keep going here. Quick question before you go. Yeah. So on verse 2 of, of Hebrews there in chapter 6, it says the doctrine of baptism. Is that supposed to sound bad or is it? No. Um, like, you know, is this man-made? So is it? No, the do it just just means going or like baptizing people into the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, I had to actually read over that myself because sometimes when Paul speaks, he can speak a little differently. Um, what he was saying there is that they were leaving; they didn't want their church to be of dead works, so they were leaving the dead works to go on to perfection, to be able to do the things in the Spirit, baptism, laying on of hands, uh, healing people, and that's that's what they were going for. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. yeah, it's just the two types of baptisms, you know, one by water, which is repentance, and then by fire, which mm -hmm. is born of the Spirit. So that's, yeah, yeah. she was right. Yeah. Okay, all right, I'll keep reading here. Because rhema is spiritual food, spiritual insight spoken to someone, 
It stands to reason that this someone must be born from above, cleansed, saved, and justified. This last statement means that the person who receives spiritual insight for rhema must first have received the God kind of supernatural post-resurrection faith that renews, cleanses, saves, and justifies. Um, I do believe that this person is right, but I also want to say that I know that I've heard from the Lord, and I know that there is still a ways for me to go, so I don't want anyone to think tonight that um, if anyone doesn't feel like they are justified or sanctified, sanctification is a whole nother level than salvation. Salvation is the beginning process. That's when you initially believe in Jesus Christ. Sanctification is a furthering perfection process, which we all get to. So I don't want anyone to think that maybe if you don't feel like you've reached the sanctification that you can't hear from the Lord. So, um, but I do believe that once we get to that sanctification level, you're going to hear from the Lord even more. So it is a, it is something that we're, uh, going towards. Okay. Now, according to the apostle Paul, this God kind of supernatural post-resurrection faith only comes to the foolishness of preaching. And here I'm going to read off, or uh, read 1 Corinthians verses 18 and 21. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by, by him, or the world, by wisdom, by wisdom, knew not God, thank you. It pleased God for the for by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And I believe that, you know, you could go out or even in a, a lesson or in preaching on the street or whatever. The world's going to think that what we are doing is foolishness because it does not go according to their lifestyle today. They may say, well, man, that's old. That's decrepit. Look at how we live now. Look at everything that we have now. But, you know, we go out and we preach and we teach anyways because there are people out there who are just waiting to hear about the gospel. They're just waiting to tell you what's going on in their life so you can present the Lord to them. That happened to me a couple of days ago. I was talking to someone I knew from my past, and I just said hello. And first thing you know, this is what happened to me in my life, and blah, 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 and all of a sudden, I just said hello, and they blurted it out. So you never know. Well, we do know, but you don't know who in the audience that message is for. So even though the world thinks it's foolishness, no, nah, man, the Lord tells us to go out and preach to teach the gospel to everyone, every preacher, because out of that majority of people that you're talking to, one or two people are there. They just, they need Christ. They know that they're ready. Okay, so I'm going to give everyone a couple of the scriptures. You guys can write these down if you want to. Uh, Ephesians 2, 4 through 8. Romans 5, 1, Acts 15, 7 through 9. Okay, and I'm going to get to the last paragraph here. <clears throat> Lastly, there, def there definitely is a difference between Logos and Rhema. God certainly, speaks continually, continue God certainly speaks continuously to his children through his Logos giving them spiritual insights to his logos, but, on, but God does so only by his Holy Spirit. Now I want to read this, I want you guys to listen to this carefully, this last part. Rather than with the help of anyone's intellect, book knowledge, higher education, talent, or so forth. Now that doesn't mean that you can't listen to other preachers and what they say. 
but do it with the spirit of discernment. Because if you're not careful, what they're saying can lead you into error. Remember, we're human, we're man, which means that we can make mistakes. And, you know, that's why Derek and I say when we present stuff, hey, don't take my word for it, do your own research. Because, <laughs> you know, so that's the thing. Just make sure that when you are listening to other preachers that, hey, have your Bible in front of you and just don't take their word for it. In other words, all believers need God's Holy Spirit to make certain passages stand out with significant spiritual meanings and interpretive spiritual applications for their lives. These key passages that have spiritually important messages and spiritually essential applications for believers' lives are the rhema, the manifold, a speaking word of logos, the said word as presented in the Holy Bible. That, and these rhemas should be experienced. To every believer. Okay? So that's what I have. Alright. Uh, I guess Carlin has something he's going to present to and then we'll get right into it. Yeah. Alright. It kind of ties like perfectly into what Sarah was expecting and I didn't really know what I was going to share but for some reason I kept hearing like Philippians all all day I don't know what it was like but <laughs> yeah now I know <laughs> but uh I'll just have you guys turn to Philippians 1 20 and I don't know I was gonna like describe what it meant to me but I just felt like Sarah did such a good job that I might just read it but I'll just hey, you, I'll just share <laughs> what yeah. I was going through in life and why it just kind of spoke to me right According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now as also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt to having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and in nothing terrified by your adversaries which is them an evident token of perdition but to you of salvation and that of God for unto you it is given in 
the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. So, I don't know. I know everyone goes through it, but definitely lately I've been, like, as I'm progressing in my walk with faith, I look about how I want my life to be, and sometimes definitely, like, worldly things come in the way and, like, skew my vision, you know? So for me, this was huge because, I mean, it pretty much just says that it's okay, you know? It's something, obviously, that us as men that we go through, you know? And I feel like sometimes I forget, and, like, on my path to being sanctified, like you said, like, I don't know, I I guess I sometimes I'm, like, striving to be perfect, and, like, it really conflicts me when I do feel these things but as I've been walking and like becoming more sensitive I see that it's truly like a blessing for me to suffer and like go through these things and actually feel what I'm feeling and it's because like I know people that do think with the carnal mind like they they don't feel that way because it's all that they know and it's what's satisfying to them you know and for me I just find myself like even today um just trying to come in. Call Billy. Oh, all right. We'll do. He's been asking about you. Anyways, what are you saying? Um, yeah, but um, I've just been trying to like separate that mind and just like make sure to like try to think spiritually and it gets harder especially when I'm at work just because I'm not with a bunch of people that are like-minded like me you know and trying to think through Christ right. so it's just um sorry that just like no, super distracting cool, trying to Good, but um yeah so I've just been trying to practice that at, at um work too and keep myself at this level and by doing that I know that by keeping myself at a level and not, like, coming down to the way that they think that I probably, I don't know, like, lately I haven't been feeling like I'm, like, fitting in, you know, and, like, I've never really had a problem, like, fitting into anything, you know, pretty easygoing, easy to get along with, you know, so this is just starting to make more and more sense the more that I separate this flesh and, like, concentrate on the spirit and becoming more like him, you know, so, and I just know that, like, by holding this presence, I know that people will look at me and feel a type of way, and sometimes I feel like my spirit's like agitated or something like that, you know. But I just know it's because people feel safe like connecting with me, and it's maybe us just trying to like understand each other, or think a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. So I know that by just like keeping our standards and like staying high, I think that we'll be able to pull people up, and then eventually when that door is open, you can just find ways to like throw it in there and like get them to Christ or whatever they need to see, you know. Yeah. But, so, yeah. Well, thanks for letting me share, guys. Yeah, man. That was awesome. Thank you. If it wasn't for Christina on her way, I think I'd lock that door. But the thing is, is... um, just one of those things where um, you never know what the enemy may do sometimes and how he may try to affect you, but 
that's why it's always good to stay on point and do what he tells you to do so you won't be conflicted, you know. But yeah, um, let's get started in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll start at verse 1, but um, this church, man, I, I got to tell you, maybe I should just read a little bit on them, but you guys just get there. All right, so this says, question, what is the World Mission Society Church of God and what do they believe? Sarah and I had the privilege of learning about them. One day we went to um, Lloyd Center. They walk around there all day trying to convert people to Jesus or to who they call their Jesus. And um, we just happened to be there. We heard these two young girls speak. And you can tell that they were only trying to teach what they thought was true. But, you know, as far as being in the truth themselves, you know, I saw lots of errors there. But um, I did take her number, one of them, and they met us at the kiosk, you know, one day with their supervisor. And, um, you know, whoever the guy was that was in charge. And Ryan and I happened to be there that day when we were confronted by this guy. And, I mean, we heard all sorts of stuff that you had never heard before. But uh, let me just read this and we'll get into it. So it says, the answer, the World Mission Society Church of God was founded by a man named Asai Hung uh, in South Korea in 1964. He was born in 1918 to Buddhist parents and spent many years with the Seventh-day Adventists. He claimed to have rebuilt the Church of God, the same church that Jesus established, and with the same truths of the early church. Asa Hung died in 1985. And, um, you know, the, the, the Church of God uh, believes in God the Father and God the Mother. Who came to earth in the flesh, Asar Hung's spiritual wife, Zhang Jilja, um, is, is known as the Heavenly Mother, according to the WMSCOG. God the Mother is the core of our faith and the figure uh, that guides us. God the Mother stands by and prays for us whenever we face hardships. The Bible does not teach the existence of the Heavenly Mother. Uh, God is consistently referred to as our Father. Revelation, uh, we'll get into it, but it says Revelation 21 and 2 describes the new Jerusalem as a beautiful adorned bride. By verses 9 and 10 show that the wife of the Lamb and the new Jerusalem are synonymous terms. Obviously, the new Jerusalem is a city, not a person. In this case, the city is the church that redeemed of the Lord. Uh, living in God's heavenly city, the Lamb's wife, then is figuratively, figuratively, not literal. Okay, so this already sounds kind of weird because if this Asa Hung was Jesus Christ and he came in 1985, well, he died in 1985, but he came in the 60s to set up this church, I know you guys are already wondering, how can anybody possibly believe this? But this guy said that he is uh, the Christ, he died in 1885, but he gave it up to his wife that she's in charge now. So she is God the mother. Okay, and there are people that actually believe this, but I'm going to show you the tricks where they turn this thing around. So it says another false teaching of the church of God is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are not different persons, but simply different manifestations of one God. So this is along with oneness Pentecostalism. It's the same, you know, kind of teaching where, you know, they claim there is no God, the Son. 
it would be like God the Father. He was God the Father in heaven. He came to the earth as Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. It's just three different ways that this one God manifests himself. They are correct in saying there is one God, but there is one God in three persons. And we know this because this is what we're taught. You know, this is what the Bible says. All right, so it says, um, this teaching is a heresy called model, modelism. Uh, the Bible presents God as one God, but then speaks of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We all know this. The World Mission Society Church of God believes that Jehovah is the Father, Jesus is the Son, and Asa Hung is the Holy Spirit. Talk about blasphemy, but... Um, you know, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is a divine person, a being with a mind, emotions, and a will. The fact that the Holy Spirit is God is clearly seen in many scriptures, including Acts 5, 3, and 4. For uh, any man to declare he is the Holy Spirit is blasphemy. You ain't telling me nothing, I didn't know. So from here, let's, uh, everybody at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11. All right. Now, see, people actually buy this for one reason. Well, two reasons. One, they don't read their Bibles. Two, I believe it has a lot to do with that growing Jezebel spirit that's in the world. I know a lot of women would believe there's God the mother. Why? Because they've been beaten down by men and society. Okay? When you find something like this, a God the mother idea would appeal to, to the senses of a woman that wants nothing to do with a man. So this wouldn't be hard to believe. And I believe that this doctrine is going to sweep through the churches. But you guys are going to see the tricks that are going on. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, and it says, Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So the Lord is talking about what? Uh, Carlin and Sarah was talking about being sanctified. The Lord wants us eventually without spot or blemish. When you let the Spirit of God work on you, He can present you as if you were never touched. That doesn't mean when you're married you can't have sex. It just means that you will be that clean and that far from sin that you'd be like a virgin again. Mm -hmm. So He says, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, He tricked Eve through His subtlety. That subtlety means softness. You know, um, in the, in the uh, Greek. So, you know, you find a lot of people that will eventually, um, they tend to go with sugar gospel, sugar teaching. If this pastor makes you laugh, he makes you feel, you know, happy inside. People always say, well, I can feel the presence of God in here because, you know, they just make me feel good. But the question is, is like, well, the God, God's not asking you to feel anything or dealing your emotions. He's asking you to obey. So this is an old trick of the enemy. What he will do will come in, make people feel great about themselves. You know, motivational speakers make tons of money on this sort of thing. In churches, oh, God loves you. He'll never leave you. And this, you know, and I believe that. But the fact of the matter is he also has conditions. But people in this world think, you know, oh, just teach about grace and mercy. And this is all you need to know is that God loves you. Well, we got a real renegade cherub at war with the people of God and God that we need to take this whole thing serious. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so it says, um, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So through the softness of Satan, through his subtlety, how he beguiled Eve, he enticed her with things that he wanted her to get into. He told her, you will be as God, knowing good and evil. You know, he said, well, why listen to the God that you know? Man, why don't you be your own God? The same way they promote humanism today, how they push up man and he's evolving and all this. So if you're naturally minded, that's going to appeal to your senses. That's going to make you feel like, yeah, man, I could be my own God. And I'll tell you the old tricks of the devil when you could be sitting here preaching. I've had people come up to me in my past telling me, man, you know, you actually got it. You could be like Nathan, man. When you were talking, I was just listening. Man, that's an old trick of the devil because what he'll do is get you feeling great about yourself and you'll, you'll get puffed up with pride and then the enemy can lead you where he wants. So never let anybody get you to deal in your emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, you understand, you, you figure out if this thing is right or wrong. What is a person trying to gain by telling me all this stuff? Because you guys all know by now, there's no appeasement for the flesh in here. Nope. I don't preach sweet messages, all right? I tell people what they need to know so that way they can deal with this thing in a real war. So it says that your minds can be removed from the simplicity in Christ. Simplicity in Christ would be reading this Bible, recognizing that Jesus died for us on the cross. He said one day he's coming back and every eye shall see him. You can't be more clear than that. When it talks about the dead in Christ being raised up. So you know that this thing of the return of Jesus is going to be something that you won't be able to miss. So who is Asahang? And why do people believe in this? And he actually died, you know, in 1985. I didn't know Jesus was going to die again, did you? No. And he left it to his wife. When did this come about? But this is what happens when you allow yourself to be enticed. You know, and the argument they use is ridiculous, but I'll keep going. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, it might bear well with him. So in any false doctrine, any false religion, with all these things going on, you know, the Bible makes clear here, there is another Jesus, there is another gospel, and there is another spirit. We have to get that down inside of us. Like I heard other pastors say, don't take the evidence and speak in other tongues to think you got this thing lit. Because the whole point is the devil knows how to speak in tongues too. Whatever God can do in his kingdom, the devil has a mirror effect in his kingdom. All right? You got other religions speaking in tongues, and they're no closer to the true God than anybody that's an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. So we got to understand there is another spirit that can be pushed as Christianity, pushed as Christ. You got a lot of false religions out there telling people about Christ. Oh, you know, oh well, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And you really got to ask people, which Jesus are you talking about? Because are you speaking about the one of the Bible? Or are you talking about this one that you made up in your own fantasy or someone else's? So we have to understand that there is another Jesus. So we have to be careful with that. You know, people didn't know that Barabbas, the thief on the cross, I'll look this up for myself, his name was also Jesus. Okay, his name was Jesus Barabbas. A lot of people don't know that. But maybe he was younger. He might have been named after Jesus because, you know, when he was born, there was the fame in the land. He'd be named this. I don't know what the story was. But Jesus Barabbas was this man's name. Strong concordance would even tell you that. 
So what did the people do when they chose Barabbas, who was an agitator, who was someone that would fight for the political rights? He wanted to take Israel back by force. He didn't want anything to do with the ways of Jesus. But you see how they accepted him because he appealed to their senses. This is why people listen to people like Alex Jones and all these other people fight for the country, fight for the Constitution. Now, see, that seems good to the carnal mind. But to the spiritual mind, you're not a, a U.S. citizen anywhere, all right? You're not a part of any system. You're a part of the body of Christ. You're a part of the kingdom of God, which means even though you might live somewhere, you know, but you're still, your allegiance is to Jesus. Because with me, if they want to take this Constitution, let them take it. It's not like, you know, the Constitution brought peace on earth. Look at the stuff that was still going on even with the Constitution. You think you can believe in this court system and all this other stuff? Man, they'll turn against you like you wouldn't believe. So your only hope is in Jesus Christ. All right, so from here, um, I want to get a little into this. I'm going to expose their secrets. Let's go to Galatians 4 and 21. That's right next door. But I mean, when I heard this, when we were down at that mall, my mind began to swirl. Because I could not believe that this is what someone was teaching. And that they actually believed it. I had never heard it before, so I didn't know what to think of it. I mean, all I did was Google it, and within two seconds, you know, everything just fell out, you know, about this group. So how can you be deceived today when you got so many things at your fingertips where you can learn the truth if you wanted to? But it's just like you said that, I mean, it came in like the 1960s, right, this church? Yeah, it came out of the um, um, Seventh-day Adventist, you know, another group that this guy had. Uh, Seventh-day Adventist, we're going to cover some of that too here because, you know, it's very wrapped up in this. He came from Buddha's parents, and if you guys know anything about Buddha, Buddha came out of um, Hinduism. He was a Hindu. He wanted to start his own sect to be his own man. So he never really referenced a god of heaven. He always talked about how it came by the means of, you know, like what, what people would call today a big bang. Okay, so he believed that um, there was a creator, but it wasn't the god of the Bible. His name was Brahma. And then there was other, you know, entities that this guy would interact with, but... He came up with Buddhism, which started his own thing. So if this guy came out of Buddhism, it looked like he wanted to also start his own thing. And it's unfortunate that he's got other people believing that there was a time where this guy, his gospel would have never stood up. But the reason it does today is because the church is so far removed from the truth. Mm -hmm. All right, so it says, um, we'll go to Galatians 4 and 21. And it says, Tell me that ye desire to be under the law. Do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, and one by a bondmaid, and another by a free woman. But he, was, but he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he uh, of the free woman was uh, by promise. Which things are an allegory for these who are two covenants, uh, the one from the Mount Sinai, uh, which gendereth to bondage, which is Hagar. So if you guys know anything about uh, the whole thing with Isaac and Ishmael, um, Ishmael was a child that, well, Isaac and Sarah were trying to get pregnant. Uh, Sarah was 90 years old. Um, Abraham was probably 100. They were trying to have a baby because the Lord told them they would. Because they didn't have it in that time, and thinking with their carnal minds, they figured, okay, well, 
Sarah said, I don't want this great man Abraham to not have a child. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give him my maid, Hagar, you know, so that way he could have a child. Now, God didn't tell him to do this. This is what they wanted to do. So they did it. Hagar got pregnant. She became proud. She began looking down on Sarah. And, um, you know, Ishmael was born, you know, 13 years before Isaac. Um, it would have been considered that Ishmael was a child of the flesh because it took human effort to try and make him. Okay, where God promised um, Sarah that she would have a child, which came Isaac. So Isaac was the child of the promise. All that they're speaking about here in Galatians 4 is one child was by a promise, the other child was by the flesh. So they're being compared by Paul here to one being under um, Levitical law, the Mosaic law, and the other being by grace, which is what we live today, by the Spirit of God being given a, ch given a chance to become like God because the Holy Ghost will give you the nature of God. Mm -hmm. So that's all that this is about here, but watch how these people will twist it. And um, let's see, where am I, 24? 25. 25. For this, uh, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage to her children. So he's saying that, you know, uh, the, the law is now underneath. I mean, it answers to the spirit, which is what we have today. So it says, um, verse 26, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. All right. And then it says, um, for it is written, Rejoice thou barren, thou bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travaileth not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Uh, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of the promise. Okay, so where these people get the idea, if you go back to verse 27, 26, when it says, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all, they claim that this was speaking about a mother God. Now, um, you know, there's a lot of arguments that could be made about this. Um, they try and say that it means mother. I tried to tell the guy, because I had my concordance right there in front of me, that that word for mother is... Where am I? That word for mother is mater. It's spelled like meter with two accent marks over the E, but it's pronounced mater, and it means a mother or, metaphorically, the source of something, the motherland. So it means mother or motherland. Like Africa, they consider it the motherland. That's a whole nother teaching. But the point is, is they're speaking clearly of a land that Jesus Christ is going to bring for his people. Okay, so... They claim that this means the, the mother Jerusalem that they're talking about. And Asan Han's wife is that Jerusalem. All right. And so then when I asked the guy, I said, well, this means motherland. And he said, well, are you just going to believe that or you're going to I know that it means mother. I said, bro, it's right here. And he was like, well, I, I don't know. I don't believe that. I believe what we learned or what we're taught. And I said, you can see it right here in the Greek for yourself. But his mind was already bent on trying to tell me that this had something to do with um, um, some mother, some heavenly mother, where it never even says that. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's go to Genesis 2. This is where we went next, this guy and I. And then we're going to bust this thing wide open. Well, Genesis 1. Let's go to Genesis 1 and 23.
and they claim that's the only way that Jesus could have been here is if, um, you know, he had to be of a mother when he told everyone that he came out of the womb of the father. I mean, if he's got a mother, she must be awfully lonely because he never talks about her. He's always talking about his relationship with the father. So, you know, Jesus might be quite disrespectful there if he believes that there's some mother that he's not even paying attention to. His earthly mother, yeah. That's right. He said, woman, what have I to do with thou? Because he was talking, he was teaching, and she came up saying something, and he was like, woman, I'm, like, I'm not talking to you. I'm dealing with something here. And then she said... Or even told her, both Mary and Joseph, am I not about my father's business? Exactly. So, I mean, where's his mother's business is my question. But see, if you're a Jezebel spirit... Or you're someone that believe in, you know, God should be fair and equal and there should be a mother in heaven. This is where people fall victim to this stuff. Trying to use a carnal mind to understand spiritual things. All right, verse 24, Genesis 1 and 24, and it says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and um, and other every and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So when it says here, let us make man in our image, they would often wonder, well, who could they be speaking to here if there's only, you know, God? And then you're talking about this us thing. Clearly, as Sarah read in um, John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word that was Jesus Christ, and the word was with God, all right? And the word was God. So Jesus Christ was also God. The Bible makes clear he was before creation because all things were made by him and for him. Okay, so clearly the Father was talking to the Son and the Holy Ghost. Why? Because when it says in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. They said, and the earth was out form and void. Then it says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters of the earth and, and began creating. So it's done for the Father by the Son with the power of the Holy Ghost is how this was done. But they're trying to tell you it must be a wife that God here is talking to. And they and they call they use the term Elohim. It's true. When you see the word God in the Hebrew, especially this early in the Bible, the word is Elohim. Anytime there's an I am at the end, it's plural. Okay, like if you were to talk about cherubim or seraphim, ranks of angels, anytime there's an I am, that is plural. But they're not talking about some woman here. They're talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So the very, the very example that they try and use to say that God must have a mother because it's plural, how can they then think that God is only one God in three forms? You see how they get tripped up not following the truth? They just said there is no trinity. But yet they're ready to point out here in Genesis 1 it's plural because there must be a God the mother. So that makes no sense. If you think about it, they're just crossing themselves up, picking their points like most false religions do. Mm -hmm. All right. So it says in God, uh, verse 27, 
And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now, a lot of people get this twisted because they're saying here, so God created man in his own image. And then they said, um, in the image of God created him. Like God created man in his image. So they think that God is talking about here, male and female, you know, uh, God created them. So in other words, with God creating them, that there has to be a man that is God, and then there's a woman that's also God, which is ridiculous. Or they're saying that the image of God would be male and female. So that that's not the point that's being made at all. What's being made here is God uh, made Adam. All they're saying in the old Quaker English is God uh, made God made man in his own image. God made man, created he him. Then male and female created he them. That's all he's saying. It's not saying that, you know, he created man in his image and that that image is male and female. It's saying that God created man. Now, we can prove this easily. Let's go to, um, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I know a lot of women aren't going to like this, but, you know, this is the truth. I know we were just in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But, you know, if this is what you want to hear, you have no problem believing this. If you don't know your Bible, this is what they'll try and convince you of. So Paul is going to fix this for us. But, yeah, this what I was going to say earlier is that this religion would come easily to women who, like you said, don't have a father, or they come from abused Mm -hmm. male relationships and they can't trust another man you know Satan knew exactly what he was doing with this because you know any kind of woman that doesn't want to deal with a man it would be easy for them to follow this kind of type of religion if they don't want to be fixed by the Lord exactly exactly so 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 and it says be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would say unto you that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesied with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is uh, even all one as if she was shaven so a woman with no covering is almost like she's shaven and um naked for if a woman be not covered let her also be shorn but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven let her be covered for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and the glory of god but the woman is the glory of the who man okay so what was man what was the image of god man you know, so a lot of people don't want to hear that, but this is telling you right here that, you know, Adam was made in the image of God. Eve was made out of man. That's why she's called woman, because she's out of the womb of a man. But they want to paint this picture of the woman, God being this both male and female, in order to produce life. It tells you right here. What's up? I said which. Exactly, we can even continue. So, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man was not of the woman, but the woman of the man. 
neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for who? The man. I mean, it's telling you this right here. But these people want to keep pushing it and looking for this. And it says, for this cause ought a woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. So in the Lord, these two are joined. It's not like it has to be where, you know, the man is just going to mistreat the woman or be over her like some type of barbarian. And it's not like the Lord made them as a union to be together. But make no mistake that one was made in the image of God and the woman came out of the image of a man. God never took two clay beings and put them down and breathed into both of them. Okay, he took one. He made a perfect copy. He said it's bad for man to be alone. Let's go to Genesis 2. Sorry, I just wanted to make that point real quick. I know I'm jumping all over the place. But if Paul was sitting here saying it, you know, then it's like, what do you want me to do? The guy who wrote most of the old, te the New Testament is saying that, you know, <laughs> the image of God was man. That's why he's God the Father. That's why it came forth from him God the Son. The Holy Ghost does have, um, is the nurturer, is a comforter. So the Holy Ghost does have, I wouldn't say a feminine nature, but I meant like as far as the nurturing, comforting thing. I do believe that he had given that more to a woman than, than a man. Because a woman has a very nurturing spiritual nature that a man doesn't. I mean, it's clear. When a man lives somewhere, you can tell. I got no pictures in here. I've got no flowers or plants anywhere. But when a woman lives somewhere, man, that house is decked out. Like, you can just tell, like, she just likes to, you know, make things pleasant. All right. So, um, let's go over this. Genesis 2 and 15. All right. And it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden uh, and to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good for that good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And out of the ground of the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every creature, every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help me for him. So let's understand this. You know, God made Adam. Adam was walking around. So they try and use that whole argument of Genesis 1, male and female created he them. That's just talking about the order and how he did things. But when God made Adam, Adam was already naming the animals. Adam already had dominion. He was already set up. But the Lord said, you know, I don't want him to be alone. When did God think of him not being alone? Think about it. You know, it was after he made Adam. He didn't say, you know what, I'm going to make him and her and get them together now so that way they can get started. He made Adam, you know, and the Bible makes clear of this. We don't know how long Adam was walking around before Eve came into the, on the scene. But anyway, it says, um, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them. Oh, I read that. Okay. Verse 20 and uh, verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. 
and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man uh, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. It didn't say she was taken out of God. It says she was taken out of man. It makes very clear. He said, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. So was Adam blaspheming by saying that she was of him? Why didn't he say, well, the Lord made us both. Great job, God. You know, thank you for putting us together. Adam had dominion over the earth. Okay? He said, this was bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And I'm not trying to paint chauvinism, but... That's how you got to speak to some of these hard bonehead people because they don't want to see this. I yeah. can't see where he said anything wrong anywhere. It actually sounds like he's giving a compliment, not disregarding her because he's saying, this came from me or God took this out of me. Bone of my bone and flesh of... What's... And if he's perfect in God's image, then yeah. And one yeah. thing we got to make clear too is is that... You know, Adam was given the dominion. A lot of people don't know this. They look at Adam as the first man. But the truth is, and the Bible says repeatedly, Adam was the son of God. Mm -hmm. Adam would have been like everything Jesus was when he came here. But Adam fell before that could even happen. Now, I'm not saying Jesus wasn't God. We already know that. But Jesus is known as the second Adam. So we don't even know what Adam's IQ was here. We don't know how intelligent Adam was or what he could actually do. Because, you know, he hearkened unto his wife and they fell. But that's the same spirit that's in the world that's really making people believe in this whole mother God thing. It's the attempt that Satan used way back in the garden that he's never going to stop using. So uh, let's go to Genesis 3 real quick since we're already here. Let's go down to verse, um, uh, verse 9. Genesis 3 and 9, and it says... And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me the tree, and I did eat. So you see what Adam became after he fell? He became a coward. He's sitting here blaming his wife and blaming God. Oh, the woman that you gave me did this. So he's, he's no longer responsible. You know, I only ate it, but she's to blame. Doesn't that sound a lot like fallen man today? He will not be accountable for anything. Okay, so, um, and the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So everybody's blaming somebody here. No one wants to be at fault. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. Now we know that this is Satan. And every beast of the field, upon thy belly thou shalt go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, it was because of the disobedience, you know. This is why Paul was bringing up in, in 1 Corinthians 11 about a woman's head being covered. 
because of the fact that Satan moved right in. Adam was supposed to be the head. I don't know what Adam was doing, what he was thinking, but somehow she engaged the serpent. And you see how once Satan got them to fall and Eve got Adam to listen to her, the dominion didn't go to Eve. It went straight to Satan. Why? Because dominion was never given to Eve. He never gave Eve the authority to rule. And I'm not trying to speak bad of women in here. I'm just trying to let everybody know what's the real cause behind all this stuff going on. This is why you got marriages right now fighting for power and control. This is why you got women walking around in the world with this spirit. I don't need a man for Jack. I don't need him for nothing. I can take care of me. I got my own money. My, my, my. This is the same spirit that went on from that point on. Now look at what he says after he said this in verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now we already know about all of that. But the point I'm making is, is that Adam had the dominion. So if these Church of God people are trying to make this point, that, you know, God made them both in his image. He did not. He made Adam in his image. He made Eve out of Adam. All right. Now, people can have, they can believe whatever they want with their own perspectives. But the point is, is don't call yourself a Christian and don't try and use the Bible to prove that point because it never says it. Mm -hmm. Never once. All right. <laughs> um, hey, Derek, do, do you know what the translation of Adam and Eve is in Hebrew? Like, what's it really mean? Adam, he means blood. Or I think he means blood, and Eve means um, beginnings or whatever, because she was the first woman and life came out of her. I think it was bearing white life or something like that. If anybody has their concordance, they can. Um, I have it on the phone, but I have to look Yeah. There. So the thing is, is, I do know it, but I believe Adam means blood and Eve means um, birth or like beginnings, because all life sprang out of her, you know, outside of Adam. All right. Um, and the blood of Christ, if he's supposed to be cursed. Exactly. So I'm going to read a little bit more of this guy, and then we're going to move on. But I just want you guys to see how crazy this whole thing is. Okay, the, uh, the Church of God teaches that salvation is in the names of Jehovah, Jesus, and Asahang, and the baptism is required for salvation. So you have to say all three in order to be baptized and be accepted. Now, you guys look for Asahang in this Bible anywhere and show me where it is so I won't make any mistakes. But this is how people get removed. Let's go to Galatians uh, 3 and verse 1. Is Jehovah's name in the Bible? Yeah, that's what it would be in the, um, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it would be um, Kyrios or Adonai. It would be Kyrios, which means Lord. But that the word they use for Jehovah, meaning Lord... Um, the original name, no one really knows because it's only Y-H-W-H. They couldn't really pronounce the name of God, so it was only Y-H-W-H, but from that, they threw in vowels and called it Jehovah. But no one really knows that that's his real name. They believe that Jehovah really means like Jesus because Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. So that's what the Y-H-W-H might have been. In Hebrew, they call it yad heh vav -Hey. You know, that's what they would say, and that's where you get the Jehovah thing from. But no one really knows that name other than YHWH. So, you know, the King James uh, refers to it as Lord. I you know? something like, a, it, it, it translates into like a breath. Like yeah, a, like a right. Breath, like you breathe the and you'd make the sound, yeah. right. right. 
Yeah, so I mean that that could be it. But yeah, or you were asking because of like the Jehovah's Witnesses, like they love to. Well, they mistranslate their Bible, and I should do a full study on them because in the New Testament, it never says Jehovah in it. Can you actually? Because I would like. Totally, bro. Yeah, I could do one next week. It's nothing to me, but. Oh yeah, their Bible is a mistranslation. It's crazy. That stuff is almost every year. Every year. <laughs> exactly. All right. So it teaches. Um, we went to a Galatians three. Everyone there? Okay. I'm just gonna read this and then we'll go right into it. But it says um, the Bible declares that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. That's Acts four and twelve. Remember, there's um, when it says there's no other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved. And then there's John uh, 14 and 6, which means, it says, salvation is the name of Jesus Christ. To claim salvation in the name of Asan Hung is blasphemy, requiring anything in addition to faith in Jesus Christ, for salvation is a works-based salvation. To add anything to the gospel is to say that Jesus' death on the cross was insufficient to purchase our salvation. The Bible says that Jesus' death alone paid for our sins. Um, that's Romans uh, 5 and 8 and 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Jesus' righteousness is appropriated in our account by faith alone. That's in John 16, 316. There's Acts 16 and 31, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Therefore, baptism cannot be a requirement for salvation. Now, I don't know where this guy gets it. I wouldn't say it's a requirement for salvation, but Jesus says that he that is baptized shall be saved. He that uh, believeth and is baptized. So I don't know what point this person is making concerning baptism, but I do believe baptism is, is important. All right. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Now, can baptism alone save you? No. But there is a, there is a requirement that the Lord does because Jesus himself was baptized. He didn't have any sin. So why was he baptized before he began his ministry? So I'm not speaking for this guy in terms of saying about, you know, trying to fight against it. If Jesus did it and he said to do it, then you do it. Well, when Jesus did it, he got the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There was a... Yeah. Reason. The Holy Ghost fell on him, right? Without measure, the Bible says. So, I mean, that's something that he... I mean, he came in on fire. All right. So the Church of God claims that Christ, Asan Hung... I don't even like reading this stuff. It's so blasphemous. But it says, came to the Savior in the age of the Holy Spirit and was truly the second coming of Christ. This teaching conflicts what the Bible says about the second coming in Revelation 19, exactly, 11 and 16. He hath a, a name written on him that no one knew but he himself. I guess that's Asan Hung, huh? That's where they're going to come up with it because, I mean, it shouldn't even be there. But that's crazy. So it says, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Asan Hung is a false prophet. He predicted Christ would return in 1967, then changed the date to 1988. So you see, he's his travel agent. He's trying to make sure that he comes in correct. Uh, the Church of God believes uh, the world would end in 1967. See, the Jehovah Witnesses have like 15 prophecies they claim, too, that weren't true about the coming of Christ. Uh, then in 1988, then at the end of 2012, well, Lord, you're late. History has proved Asa Hung wrong. 
It is noteworthy that one of the signs of the end times is the increase in false prophets and false messiahs. Asan Han clearly falls into the category of false prophet and false messiah. The beliefs of the World Mission Society Church of God are not compatible with Christianity. Now, you know, that's the whole point right there. But in Galatians, I'm just going to read this. Galatians 3, look at what uh, Paul says to the church of Galatia because they had a similar problem to these people that believe in this stuff. It says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before the, whose eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the Lord, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that ye now made perfect by the flesh? The point I wanted to bring up with this is not so much that they believe the same, because these people are not even in the Spirit. Anytime you can blaspheme the Holy Ghost and say these things, calling him some man. But the point that is made here is he talked about them being bewitched. And that's what a lot of these people are doing. I remember when I was talking to that girl that came with the guy that, you know, I met her minister. While I was sitting there speaking, I think this guy was well aware of what was going on. I don't think he believes this Asar Hung is the leader either. But I noticed when I was speaking, he kept turning and looking at the girl like this. Like, I wonder if you believe what this guy is saying. So I think this guy is all about leading people to hell. I don't know what his belief system is, but he certainly gave a look like, man, I hope she ain't paying attention to what's being said. And then when I, um, you know, made my point asking the man if Jesus came back or not, I said, so you're saying that Jesus came back. And he said, um, what does it say in the Bible? I said, no, I want to hear from you. Did he come back or not? He said, if the Bible says so. I said, no, did he come or not? Just answer the question. He was, it's what the Bible says. He didn't want to confess it because then I would have said, then where is he? Okay, where are the scriptures that support that he came back then? But see, he couldn't go there. So these guys are manipulating people into believing in this mother God, trying to convert people to their belief system, you know, trying to get everyone on board. So let's go to Matthew uh, 24. But the truth is, and... um. This is who they're really worshiping. This is Semiramis, Queen of Heaven, Mother of God. This Queen of Heaven is the same one that they try and call Mary in the Catholic Church. It's not Mary that they're worshiping. It's this Semiramis. She goes all the way back, Easter, Ishtar. Her name is Venus. Her name is Isis. Her name is uh, Artemis. Diana to the Greeks or the Romans. I mean, you know, this name is everywhere. This is who we celebrate for Easter. It's got nothing to do with Jesus Christ. This is the Statue of Liberty. You guys see it? But this is who it is. It's got nothing to do with Mary. And the pagan churches know this, but they try and tell everyone, oh, Mary is the Queen of Heaven. Why? Because they're trying to do the same thing that this Asa Hong is doing, trying to take people's eyes off of Jesus Christ. That's really what it's about. Oh, replace him with someone else. That's the whole goal. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, this woman is worshipped everywhere. Look up Semiramis. This is the mother of Nimrod. She is worshipped as the female deity. Even in Islam, they go over and they kiss that Kaaba stone. That Kaaba stone is a woman's vagina. It's called a Bel Peor. It's Lord of the Opening. It's worship of the Opening. 
This is what they're really worshiping, but it's her. It's Ashtaroth. You ever heard of Baal and Ashtaroth in the Old Testament? That's who this is. But this is who they're worshiping. It's got nothing to do with, um, you know, a mother god. And the Bible speaks against the Queen of Heaven. We did that teaching on um, Sunday about offering strange fire. All right, Matthew 24 and verse 1, and it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to shew him a sign of the buildings of the temple, or to shew him of the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left uh, here one stone upon another, uh, that shall not be thrown down. Now, this is a prophecy that happened in 70 A.D. This might have been 32 or 33 A.D., but Jesus, again, is the truth. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Now, notice, before he answered anything they said, Look at what he says next. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That word for nation is ethnos in the Greek. That means they're talking about racial tension. They're talking about racial um, strife. That's all, definitely in the world today. Everybody I mean, you see it. It's growing. Yeah. This is what the news media tries to promote. Every time somebody black gets shot, it's funny how the media is just there to film it all, to tell everyone everything about it, because they're trying to get racial strife going to cause martial law. I'm telling everybody, I don't care what your color is, do not fall for these tricks and traps. This is what the media does. They're paid to give this information. Because once you start acting crazy in the street, they're going to shut this whole thing down. Once you start talking about, I'm going to kill these white people or these blacks for what they've done, yeah, uh-huh, thank you, stupid, for falling for the trap. And you know what? That kid may not even be dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you got to know something about the media in this world, man. These people will tell you people are dead, and then they'll tell you, yeah, go on, take your money, get out of here. And then they'll have the mother on TV. Oh, my God! They killed my baby! You know, and everyone is like, oh, we got to do something about this. It's the same old trick they've been pulling since the 60s and the 50s. Don't fall for it. They're only trying to get races of people fighting so they can call martial law. Mm -hmm. Believe me when I tell you this. Why is the media still fanning the flames? Why do they keep coming out with movies like Django and all these other movies? Why don't they just let it die? If it's for equality... Why do you keep bringing this stuff up, trying to get people to fight? I tell you, the devil is good at what he does. Mm -hmm. All right, so it says, um, And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love in many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness unto the nations, all nations, and then the end shall come. 
I want to skip down to verse 20. Uh, let's see. 22. And it says, And in those days should be shortened, uh, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall shew great signs and wonders, insomuch that it were possible they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. So the Lord is telling us that these times will come. They're certainly here. Because, you know, last I knew, Jesus was from, you know, <laughs> he was from Judea, you know. He was from the Middle East. Where he turned out to be Korean, I have no idea. But this is what I'm saying as far as people trying to want to please themselves. I'm not speaking racist here because I don't care if he were black. The fact of the matter is Christ did not come. But how can people sitting there, by the, they have almost a million followers now. Believe in this trash. Why? Because of this mother God. That's the real allure. It's got nothing to do with him. It's people trying to have their equality separate of God. There's a woman God and there's a man God, and I'm for that. No, that only makes sense, because after all, there shouldn't just be one man God. So what is the devil doing? He's playing with your emotions. He's getting you to feel, man, no, we need to stand for the women. God is, hey, they're all his. All right, male and female. But the devil... Again, he's good at what he does. Mm -hmm. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the, she the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, has anybody seen lightning shine from the east and the west? Mm -hmm. All over this place where everybody sees it. And Jesus came... So why do people even believe that in this false religion? I know you guys are probably wondering, all right, it's false, so leave it alone. But I know people that are in this, and it's like, man, read the scriptures for what it says, and you won't have any problems. But when you start going with your feelings, you know they got um, homosexual uh, pastors and first men, and they say, you know, this is right. But I want anyone to show me in the Bible where this is correct. But see, again, the devil knows what he's doing. He's going to play with people's emotions. He would have never been able to have a first man and a pastor 40 years ago. So what did he do? He softened up the masses. Got everybody engaged in sodomy. Got everybody, you know, fighting for civil rights. Okay, and, and you know they had the nerve to say, well, they fought for blacks and their civil rights. So now we're fighting for homosexual rights. Every black person, if you hear that, you should be offended. You're saying the same as fighting for equal rights is the same as someone being sodomized, you know, and, and done like that. You're trying to put those two in the same class? I mean, are you kidding me? One was for the right to work and to do other things. Since I was a kid, homosexuals have been working. So I don't know what rights they're fighting for other than to defy the living God. And, you know, a lot of people may say, man, that's cold. How can you say that? Guys, if you understand what's going on, why they're putting these bathrooms together, why they're doing this, they're trying to destroy the image of God. This is takeover. They didn't ask us what we thought of the bathrooms. They just started doing it. Okay, so pretty soon you're going to be walking around in places and you're going to have women following you trying to get you to be with them. I don't know if that's already occurred for some, but it's not going to be what you think it is. This is going to be a spirit of takeover. It's going to take over. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, 
It's getting younger and younger. So these are the things where the devil can play in our emotions, even for a situation like that, instead of believing what the Lord says. Because you know what? If my family's not for it, or, or, or they are for it, and they enjoy any of that, hey, you know what? I'll tell you guys the truth. You do what you want, so be it. But I'm not going to hell for anybody. All right? I don't care who it is. It could be mother, great-grandmother, great-grandfather. It could be anybody. I'm not going to hell even for a wife if the Lord gave me one. I'm standing by the truth of God because the further this thing gets, he said, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be strife. Families are going to fight over this stuff, and we have to stay on the truth. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was just going to say that with what I've studied in the past, that when it comes to, like, the, the rights movements, like, you know, women's rights and other things, mm -hmm. it basically was just Satan trying to get his foothold into the door because, you know, the women's rights was started in the 1800s, eventually got to abortion clinics and, you know, That's other things. But then it just, it's Satan's way of getting his foothold in the, into yeah, the door. he slowly That's brings things yeah. in. And like I said, for anyone who's never seen it, this is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. This is the Baphomet symbol. You see it. It's part male, part female. It's part man. It's part beast. This is what Satan wants to do to the image of God. This is the whole reason behind it. This is why there's Asar Hung's wife as Mother God. This is what they're trying to get you to worship. This is all it is. So that way you won't know the difference. Right will be up. I mean, right will be left. Left will be right. Down will be up. I mean, everything will just be distorted. And we've got to stand on the truth. So he says, um, you know, lightning comes out of the east and shineth as the west. Out of the west, nothing, you know, nothing like that happened. Look at 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So that tells you there, no one has ever seen this in that church, but they're still believing in this man. The Mormons actually believe Jesus is going to appear right there in their Mormon temple. You know, he's going to appear there one day and they're going to worship him. So this is why these false religions, I'm telling you, they bind people. This is why I tell people, get out of the church mindset. Get to know Jesus Christ for yourself. Not that I'm against the church, but... A lot of people fall for this stuff because the church building is all they know. This is why people do this. It's not because they really believe in Asahang. They just, they're brainwashed by the church. Oh, we get together. Oh, well, that could be right. Well, I was always taught to go to church, so this has to be right. Because they can't think outside of the box. What the world is trying to develop here with these false religions is a one-world religion, a hive mind. This is why they brainwash children in school. This is why Sally has two dads, you know, or the books. This is why Jenny has two moms or the books. Because the thing is, is you've got to groom everybody to the point of we're accepting of this. Then we can bring forth whatever we want. But this is why they're telling, they're taking prayer. They took prayer out of schools because they don't want you to know the real Jesus Christ. They want you to make it in life outside of Christ. So this is what the global hive mind is about under a new world religion, under a new world order. That's what this is about. 
They can't bring the new world order now because you think independent of this. They're going to tell you, hey, you're going to have to convert or get out of this. This is why in the military, if you pray to Jesus openly, you get yourself in trouble. But you got Muslims converting in the military and there's no problem. So this is what I'm telling you what the whole war is. It's against Jesus Christ in every religion and every political institution. You can't even swear. Um, I think your religious beliefs, they took the Ten Commandments out of the court system. They're trying to destroy the image of God. They don't want Jesus anywhere. Mm -hmm. First Thessalonians 4. I know you guys got to head out soon. Right? Yeah. It seems like um, really like Satan's just trying to cause confusion in everything. Like it's complete chaos. There's no rule. There's no order. And anything he's trying to take mm -hmm. that down and lock it down where we, like you said, accept everything. Mm -hmm. That's why they got DHS now. All right. At one point, it might have been for children that were child abused. But now they're telling you. Man, if you even think about disciplining your child, you're going to end up in prison. All right? They're going to, they, they want that structure of parents broken off of the children so the children can run wild. And then what happens, they tell everybody, go to court. Because what's going to happen in the long run, the, you know, parents may go to jail, things may happen, where the kids go into foster care. Now they can really, you know, mess with the kids. So, you know, we just got to be careful and, and trust in the Lord and not us because... The family structure that God designed is to have father and mother and children. But if you can break that structure over them where parents have no influence, now the kids can believe whatever they want and then tell the parents, you better not touch me, okay, because I'll make a phone call right now and you got the parents scared. Like my parents said, I wish you would call the cops on me. My dad would have dialed 9-1 and then threw the phone back to me. Go ahead and call him. Push that last one. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're going to need a place to live, you know, <laughs> whatever. But no, nah, my parents didn't play that. So you talk about calling the cops on me or something. No. Hey, guys, have a good one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's the whole thing behind this structure with this um, Asaha. I mean, I'm going to put a lot of this stuff up. But I want to debunk this. Um, let's go to Revel. Well, where did I say go? First Thessalonians four. I'll read this real quick. And I'm not trying to make fun of these guys. I really wish that they would get it together and learn about the real Jesus Christ because these people don't care if these people go to hell or not. And we'll start at verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13. But I have so much information here on them. I mean, it's, it's crazy. What's the title of this study? The World, what is it? The World Mission Society Church of God. All right, but it says, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, it says... But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that they sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring to him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So those that believed in Christ, they're going to rise up first. No one has ever seen anything like that happen. If the coming of Christ was here, the dead should already be up there. Verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Uh, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So that tells you there that we should be up there with Asahang if he's the real deal. When he came, this whole thing should have ended. He didn't change anything. According to this guy, you know, he says that he didn't perform one miracle. So what kind of, you know, man is this? That he's supposed to be the coming of God. He came to convert people to him, and then all of a sudden he dies? Well, you know, thanks a lot, Jesus, for, for leaving us. You know, I mean, are you, I mean, isn't there work to do here? Oh, but you turned it over to your wife. That must be, you know, the Holy Bible part two that we didn't get. See, this is how people fall into this stuff is because they don't want the truth. When this is ridiculous to even put stock in a man and believe that this man is God. Also, there's nowhere in Scripture where Christ was ever married. No. Jeremiah 17. I'm going to run through some stuff here. But while we're getting there, this guy says, as many of us may be well aware... Oh, that's the wrong one I'm looking for. It says, this is the Jesus the Savior guy. The World Mission Society Church of God is a demonic religious cult. The Church of God erroneously claims that the Korean man named Asai Hong, 1981 to 1985, was Jesus Christ. Asai Hong was originally a member of the Seventh-day Adventist religious cult. He was joined in 1947 but uh, then founded his own demonic cult in 1964, the Church of God. They teach that water baptism is required for salvation. Um, the cult is still growing strong today. They also teach that all human beings are angels who have come to the earth after sinning in heaven. So you can imagine where this belief system comes from because they're making it clear that therefore the fallen angels. You know, this is who we are. So this is everyone. They were angels and they sinned and we all fell. Uh, a belief forwarded by Asar Hung. As with most uh, so-called Christian cults, they pervert the word of God, exploiting the Bible to promote their false uh, teachings. All right. So that's just one more. So, you know, we're fallen angels, guys, that fell from earth. Yeah. Fallen angels can't be yeah, they can. They can even look like humans. The argument is that a fallen angel wouldn't want to be. Because an angel is about as free as you can be. If you can be anything at any time, why would you want to inhabit a body? But demons are those that inhabit bodies because they're earth dwellers. A demon is a disembodied spirit. That's all it is. They, the giants that were in Genesis 6, when they were killed off by the flood, that's where you get demons. That's where they come from. You know, this sounds crazy, right? But um, Jeremiah 17 and um, 5, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. So you see how such a thing can happen, where, you know, you trust in man, and you make flesh your arm, meaning your trust is in 
another or yourself. And it says your heart will depart from the Lord because the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is Christ too. And look at verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So only the Lord can judge the heart or those with spiritual discernment, because if we go according to our feelings, we can be tricked. How many women have been played by guys? Let's be real here. How many men have been played by women coming at you with a smile on their faces? You think your emotions are, are what can really govern or keep you from trouble? How many times have we followed dumb friends doing something and almost got ourselves in real trouble? Following a friend, you know, because you know them and, you know, they should be cool, so let's go on and do it. Then you're running for your life. I mean, it's one of those things where you've got to learn to trust the Lord in all that you do. This guy, man, I don't even know where to begin. I'm so fired up with this. I mean, it's crazy. All right, um, I'm going to read this little part right now. We'll um, move on. What time is it, guys? All right. So it says, uh, liars, uh, the world mission church of God, liars. Uh, it's the lie that Satan to add that. Well, I don't want to read that part. Okay. Therefore, our son hung is Christ who came in this age, according to all the prophecy in the Bible. He restored the truth of the Passover at the tree of life and saved us from our sin and death. He is our God. This is what these people say. And, you know, one of the arguments this guy asked me was when I asked him about all this false religion stuff that he was teaching, he said to me, well, do you keep the Sabbath? Because the, the disciples kept the Sabbath. So he was looking for some kind of truth. We're going to debunk that, too, in a second. But the point is, is he was trying to search for something like, oh, well, see, the church doesn't do this. Do you keep the Sabbath? I was like, no, I don't keep the Sabbath, you know, whatever. And he was like, oh, well, you're supposed to. I said, okay, we'll see about that. So it says right here, um, it says billions of people are in this world. They're either following a phony like the Catholic Pope who claims to be God's voice upon the earth. That's what the Pope actually does. He calls himself the Vicar of Christ. Again, you know, people seeking that which doesn't belong to them to win others in. And I'm not trying to offend anybody in their beliefs, but... I care enough about people to tell them the truth. I'm not trying to bash anybody's religion. I'm trying to tell everybody, man, you better read this book for yourself. Because a lot of people fall with tradition, and that's where they remain. All right, so it says, ex-cathedra or um, else people follow some wacko like Asan Hung. Now, I'm not calling a man a wacko. I think that he's wrong, you know, or whatever, but I'm not going to name call who errantly claims to be God on earth. Jesus proved his deity by the mighty works which he did that no other man before nor since can do. Now, you know, some of them. Uh, John 15 and 24. If I had not done away with them, the works which none, which none other man did, uh, they had not had sin. But now have they, uh, been, have they both seen and hated both me and my father. Only Jesus was able to heal an amputee in his time because, you know, Peter healed a lame man too, okay? Anyone full of the Holy Ghost of God can do these things. So this guy is speaking. I understand his defense of the Lord, but the disciples did exactly what Jesus did. 
and you know many people walking the earth. All right, so it says, uh, when Peter cut off the servant, the high priest's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus put it back on. Uh, the Lord did what no other human being has ever done. Asan Hong never did one, even one miracle. Both of these men are evil imposters and of the devil. Asan Hong is burning in fires of hell. This moment where he uh, will be tormented in flames of God's vengeance for all eternity. All Christ rejectors go to hell. All right, he gives a couple of scriptures, you know, whatever. But, you know, I'm not feeling exactly the way this guy feels. You know, I feel for people, but he is telling the truth that those that go outside of Jesus Christ will no doubt go to hell. Where did I say go? Anywhere? Mm -hmm. did I? All right, let's go to Mark um, 3 and 29. About oh, yeah, we're going to get there, too. It will be done any minute. Mark 3. No, but it's good to bring this forward because, you know, false religions are leading a lot of people straight into the pits of hells these days. And the, the sad thing is, is that there is slight truth, but the rest of it is just, the rest of it is nonsense, what they say. But because you have that less than 1% truth that they're bringing forward, people will flock to that because, you know, it gets their itching ears. Because, mm -hmm. like, oh, well, that sounds like something I could believe in and trust mm -hmm. in because look at my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm already living in misery, so I might as well go this way. When, you know, like you said the before, rat poison, it's only one, what, like less than 1%? Yeah, 99.9% .9 of rat poison. I heard Ken Hovind say it, and I agree. 99.9% .9 of rat poison is good food. Mm -hmm. It's that little 1% that the mouse eats. Because, you know, a mouse can smell good, you know, poison somewhere and would just stop. But the fact that, you know, you got to trick the mouse to that degree, that's how Satan's kingdom is. He'll lead you off course, slowly. All right, uh, Mark 3, and uh, we'll go to 27. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, uh, and blasphemies wherewith, wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Okay, so Jesus is saying they won't be forgiven. There's another one, I think it's in Matthew, where it says you won't be forgiven in this lifetime or the one to come. You don't want to blaspheme the Holy Ghost, calling yourself the Holy Ghost. If you see a move of God, you better make sure that it's not a move of God before you insult it. Before you say to this person, oh man, that's, that's an old trick. That's not the Holy Ghost. You just blaspheme the Holy Ghost. So you better be real careful with what you decide to say concerning a move of God or when God does something. The only reason I'm exposing this man is because of the fact that Christ did not come. He is not Jesus Christ. So I have the authority to say that as being a believer to bring people to the truth. If you want to um, deceive openly or in public, then I'm going to correct you in public. That's just the way it goes. Because why would I have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with this woman or whomever's a part of this thing and, you know, the whole world's going to hell believing this lie that was publicly said. So, you know, that's one thing you don't want to do is mess around with that sort of thing. 
uh, Mark 7, since we're here. Listen to what Jesus said, because a lot of people will get into these things because of their traditions, and we have to step outside of that. Mark 7 and 1, and then we'll conclude in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that we were in. But I just want to read this part in Mark, and then we'll move on. But um, Let's see. So it says, Then uh, came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they had some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, with defiled that is to say, uh, with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come uh, from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be, uh, which they have received uh, to hold, as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why walk, not thy, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? So right, I'm just going to make a quick point. Jesus' disciples were eaten with hands. They didn't wash them. These self-righteous people, these religious people are saying, well, why are you eating? Why are they eating with hands not washed? You know, the tradition is to wash your hands. So uh, Jesus answered in six, answered and said unto them, well, hath Isaiah prophesied to you, hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines uh, and commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the traditions of men, as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things do ye. So Jesus is saying, you know, for the sake, instead of worrying about who's washing their hands, the prophecy is that you follow me because I'm the son of God. I'm the only one that can make you right. These guys are stuck on tradition, arguing about what the traditions of men are. Why a lot of people go into these false religions is tradition. You might have been born into it. You know, I went to a church where my mom, um, you know, I do believe they had the right Jesus, but I believe that a lot of the things with the teaching could have been different. You know, a lot of them were moved away from things. They were Baptist. Well, there's no such thing as a Baptist in this Bible. There was only John the Baptist because he baptized. There's no such thing as a denomination. Either you're of the, the real church of God, the body of Christ, or you're not. That word in the Greek for church is ecclesia. It means called out ones. It means separated unto God. Mm -hmm. It's not about Catholics. It's not about Episcopalian. It's not about Methodist, Lutheran, or any other kind of thing that they want to come up with, Pentecostal. You're either of the body of Christ, where you do the things of Christ, or you're not. And it's just that simple. And which verse is that? I think it's in 1 Corinthians that talks about, you know, which are you like, you know, from the word of Paul or from the word of... Apollos. Oh, uh, yeah. that's one. Um, mm -hmm. uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I believe it is, yeah. Yep. Yeah, when he says, Well, some people say I am of this, I am of that one. Man, if you if you say I'm of this pastor or that pastor, man, you better seek the Lord yourself and get to know him because he's the only one that can save you. Yeah. So uh just real quick, in Matthew it's Matthew twelve, thirty one and thirty two that talks about um if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit with the generator it'll be You won't be forgiven in this lifetime or the one to come, yeah. 
know, totally. So he says, uh, and he said unto them, full well, ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother and whoso curseth father and mother, let him die the death. Uh, but he say, but ye say, if a man shall say in his father or mother, uh, it is Corbin, that is to say a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, uh, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for uh, his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered and many such like doings um, do ye. So he's making it clear here, a lot of people, again, well, it has to be right because this is all I've known. Seek the Lord for yourself. Know Jesus Christ. Don't follow the traditions of men. Because, I mean, your parents don't have a heaven or hell to place you with. Um, Matthew 12, I know I was going to say this. I'm just going to read one part of Matthew 12 and then 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and we'll be done. I can just read this part because this guy was talking to me about keeping the Sabbath. Now, you know that uh, Colossians 2 and 16 says, you know, let no man um, judge you by meat or drink or Sabbath or holy days, you know, or whatever. So you guys can write that down and read that in your spare time. That's uh, Colossians 2 and 16. That'll tell you about people trying to push the Sabbath on you. So this is Matthew 12 and verse 1, and it says, At the time Jesus went on to um, the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were and hungry, like they were hungry, and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was, um, when he was hungry, and they that were uh, with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the shewbread which was not lawful for him to eat? neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest. Or have ye not read in the law how on that, for on the Sabbath days the priest in the temples profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that, th that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known uh, what, the, what this meaneth, so Jesus is greater than the temple, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, Ye would not be condemned, uh, the guiltless. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And I, there is a part when he said that man was made for the Sabbath. Well, Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Lord is making clear here, Jesus is your Sabbath. Okay, for these Sabbath keepers, Jesus is your rest. All right, you can read that in um, Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4 that will tell you that he is the Sabbath, okay? I mean, that Jesus is your rest. He's the seventh day, all right? It's like, you know, six days as man, as a beast. Remember, man was created on the sixth day along with the beast. Jesus Christ would be that walking into the spirit. That's why you see so many sevens in the, in the book of Revelation because seven is God's number. So when you're in the spirit, you are in your rest. You're in your Sabbath. So don't let anybody tell you otherwise, because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. That was only, the Sabbath was kept to get men 
to worship God because men were so defiled in Egypt and other religions. It was something like, like God said, it was a schoolmaster to get them to come to the truth. Paul said that. So it was only meant to train you for the one day that you would have the spirit of God and you would walk in the ways of God. Mm -hmm. So you almost had to be trained somewhat like in, you know, like a child. All right, come on, you're going too far, like a dog. Come on, sit, you know, go lay down on the carpet because you were somewhat of an animal. You know, you didn't have it right. Mm -hmm. But once the Holy Ghost was imparted to every believer in Christ, you could now be like Christ. Okay, so that's the whole thing about the Sabbath being the rest. Don't let anybody push you back up into the law and tell you that that's what has to be done. That is not the case. You know, the Sabbath was made of Jesus Christ, so we can conclude here. Can I just make a quick point? Yeah. Also, when you are, like, studying, getting closer to Jesus Christ, that shouldn't feel like work. That should feel, like, exciting. And, when you, you know, in your heart, you should love to do that and build your relationship with Jesus, just like you would with... You know. Born again is a nature, mm -hmm. you know, that has to be changed. So I agree with what Christina said. It wouldn't be work. It would be you. You didn't sin because it's what you did. You sin because that's what you are. A sinner sins. You know, a thief steals. Liars lie. Pigs like the mud. You know, dogs sniff other dogs' butts. Okay, that's what they do. They bury. You give a dog a bone, he's going to bury it. That's what they do. So if you have the nature for sin, then you are a sinner. John says, and we got a study coming up, but John read in, um, what did John say that? I think it was uh, 1 John 3, oh, yeah. where John said, actually, a, a believer cannot sin. Mm -hmm. Once you are built up in Christ, and this is talking about once you're grown in Christ, mm -hmm. you know, once you're full of the Spirit, you can't sin because it's not in your nature. No, so, it, Right. So as far as sanctification goes, we've got work to do, but that's another study. You will slip, you will fall, you will make mistakes. I'm talking about a being that is perfected in Christ. No one had to pull Paul out of a gambling house, you know, or Peter was running around on his wife. None of that stuff was going on. These guys were actually full of the Spirit, and they were moving, they were acting like Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's why they called them Christians, because they were Christ-like. Right. How are you going to be like Christ, and you're still doing the things of the world? All right, I'll pick it up, verse 5, and then we'll be done. Um, what are we? 2 uh, Corinthians 11. Sorry, guys, I thought I told you this. I mean, as far as the church of God is concerned, man, if you're in that thing or you know anybody that's dealing with that, man, if you're a real Christian and you're seeking the truth, get out of there as fast as you can. Because it is not the truth in Jesus Christ. All right, 2 Corinthians 11 and 5. I don't know Kaylee knew her Bible. Look at this. I'm just teasing. But uh, it says, For I suppose I was not a wit behind the very chiefest apostles, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. So Paul was considered rude in speech. I thought he was soft-spoken and loving and, you know, all these other things. He's here saying he's rude in speech. Why he's rude is because a lot of people love fantasy. You know, he's speaking the truth. All right, verse 7. Have I committed an offense in, in abasing myself that ye might be exalted? Because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do thee service, 
And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, uh, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied in all things, I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. So the point he's making here as far as the robbing churches, he didn't mean like he went in there and said, give me all you got. He went to some of these places and said, you know, like, hey, there's Jerusalem that needs money. We'll read that. You know, that's later on. I think it's in First Corinthians where, you know, they asked for money to be able to give to Jerusalem. At that time, they were poverty stricken. You know, they had absolutely nothing. So um, where am I? Verse, verse 10. Mm -hmm. Okay. As the truth in Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Now, remember, he talked about false apostles and stuff like that. Wherefore, because I love you not, uh, God knoweth. But what I do that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, and wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. This is just what we were reading. This is just what we were dealing with. For no marvel that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing that his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I say again, let no man think me of think of think me a fool, if otherwise yet as a fool receive me, that I may boost myself a little. Uh, that which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord. But as, it, but as it were foolishly in the confidence of boasting. Okay, so he's making clear here that these people, you know, Satan himself has ministers. And this is why people have to be careful and understand what this thing is about. His ministers are everywhere. Satan knew at one point the church was feared. You couldn't just say what you want in politics, politics or write rules down, man. The church would come see you. They'd be up there with their pitchforks on the, on the front lawn. Knocking on the door. I mean, what, what, you, what is this? Now, oh, sorry, sorry. I'll switch it back. But now the devil knew in order to get laws passed, he had to have them gain entrance into the church. And this Asahan guy, I'm telling you, I mean, this whole mother um, God thing, it's all a ploy to get people to worship. I mean, to go against the one true God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. Anytime you don't see Jesus being promoted, Paul wrote many letters saying to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, where is this mother God? If Paul doesn't even acknowledge her for the, you know, the whole Old, the New Testament, it's always God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't even uh, praise the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost comes in the name of Jesus. The Holy Ghost doesn't come to be worshipped. You read Matthew 14. I mean, John 14, it'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, that Mother God worship, all it is is worshiping the Queen of Heaven, which we read in Jeremiah. Yeah, uh, look Sunday, that up, right. Ishtar, Ashtaroth, Isis, all of her names. That's that's all it is. That's all they're trying to make you know what? That's a good Huh? It's Jeremiah. It's it Jeremiah. That's why I want to put that other uh, slide up because this is the Mother God's name uh, that in, in all of uh, history. 
It said the ancient Germans worshipped the virgin Heather and the child in the arms of his mother. The Scandinavians called her Dissa, pictured with her child. In Egypt, the mother of the child uh, worshipped as Isis, and notice why they, you know, the Muslims have that name, uh, with an infant um, Osiris or Horus. Seated on his mother's lap in India, the mother of the child were called Devaki and Krishna, and also Isi and Iswara, okay, as they were worshipped in the day. In Asia, they were known as Sibeli and Deku, uh, in pagan Rome as Fortuna and Jupiter, or uh, the boy Jupiter, uh, in Greece as Ceres, the great mother with babe in her breast, or as Irene, the goddess of peace, uh, with the boy Plutus uh, in her arms. Even in Tibet, even in Tibet, China, and Japan, Jesuit missionaries were astonished to find the Roman counterpart of Madonna and child. Uh, Xing Mu, uh, the holy mother in China, was portrayed with the child and her uh, uh, arm sand of glory. Okay, so you find it everywhere. The Ephesians um, in Ephesus, they called her Diana. She's Venus. She's all these other names. Um, Aaliyah, Allah, or Alila and Allah, um, Astarte, Diane. I mean, it goes on and on. Ishtar, which is Easter, which is why that holiday comes from. Semiramis, you know, and Mary. So this is where all this stuff comes from, that they're trying to push something above Jesus Christ. That's all this woman is. So Revelation 21, guys, and I promise we're done. This is the, this is the final part of um, their belief system. And don't go there, but Revelations 3 and 11 says this. This is where this guy was confused, but it says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, that cometh down out of heaven uh, from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. So this is where they get the idea as far as this new Jerusalem coming down. The, the, the word for city, I already have it down over here, but it definitely does not mean a woman. It's a literal city, and it means polis. It means a city, one's native city, in which one lives, the heavenly Jerusalem, the abode of blessed of the blessed in heaven. So they're talking about a literal city. They're not talking about a woman here. It said, of the visible, visible capital in the heavenly kingdom to come down to earth after the renovation of the world by um, fire, uh, the inhabitants of a city. That's all you'll get out of it. So Revelation 21 and 1, and it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned with her, um, with her husband. So this is where they get the whole idea. It must be um, Asa Hong's wife, when really this is talking about, you know, it's saying be prepared as a bride. 
the city will be prepared as a bride. It's just like when Jesus' hair, they didn't say Jesus' hair was, was uh, white, uh, it, was, it was wool. They said it was white like wool, like the color wool. So when something is, is the word as, um, it means uh, it's the word host, meaning like, uh, as, even as, um, comparable, etc. So it's comparing something. It's not saying that something is. But they're saying that this is the woman here um, <laughs> prepared as a bride adorned for, her, adored for her husband. And I heard a great voice um, out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with me, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Uh, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So why are we all crying still? Why is there all pain? Because Asahang's wife is not the new Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Alright? And he, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that which is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit the things and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, and the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, are all, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will shew thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Now, this is where they also try and make the point, wait a minute, the lamb has a wife. Now, you know that wife itself, when they're talking about the mother Jerusalem or whatever, is talking about the mother land. They said that this place would be adorned like a bride. Okay, so this is what they're talking about right now. The bride is the church of God. They are the people of God. That's why it says, come to the Lamb's Supper. He will present you as a chaste virgin, okay, because he's trying to bring you to be able to marry the king. This is why the Holy Ghost is here. He's the wedding planner. He's getting everybody ready. Come on, you got to be ready for this thing. Get your hair and nails done, girl. You got to have all this stuff together. Everything's got to be made right because, you know, I'm presenting you to the king's son so you can marry. So that's all they're talking about. All right, so it says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and shewed me that the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descended out, from, out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto the stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. So you see where they get that her? They're talking about the city itself. There are many cities called her or motherland or, you know, something. So it says um, in verse 12, and had a great and had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels. The names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes, of, which are the tribes of the children of Israel on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates and on the west three gates. 
And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the land. And that's one big chick. That's a big girl. All right, with all those gates to her and all that east, west, north, and south. That's a big mama. He's trying to keep somebody out. Right, so this is clearly, exactly, so this is clearly, you know, I don't mean to make jokes about this, Lord forgive me, but this is clearly speaking about a city, this is not talking about a woman, okay, so I just want to conclude with that, if you're in the church of God, if you're in this false religion, you need to find your way out of it, like the Bible says, A, not the Bible, like the world says, A and B, see your way out, get out of it, as fast as you can, it's not the truth, I'm not telling anyone they can't believe what they want, but don't dare call yourself a Christian because we've proven through Scripture, and I didn't even go through half of the Scriptures I have here, but God always referred to His Son. The Son always referred to the Father. The only reason Jesus came was to bring them back to the Father. Even the Holy Ghost, which the Bible says was the Spirit of truth, was to lead us into all truth and righteousness, but it was to come. He was to come and speak of Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 7 debunks their belief. You know, there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, which is Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So that tells you that there is a trinity. There's no, you know, one God in three. I mean, you know, he represents himself in three different ways. He's one God in three persons. And that's what Elohim means. There is no mother God. That's the spirit of Jezebel come back. One last time to deceive people into this false belief system. Exactly. So if no one has anything to add, uh, we can close out. You know, I held you guys long enough, but I just feel very passionate about this sort of thing because I can't believe that there are millions of people that believe this. We're going to get to a bunch of other false religions. I mean, you know, Trey wants me to do one. I certainly will on the Jehovah Witnesses. That's there. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight, and I want to thank you again for another day that you've given to us. I want to thank you for all the things that you've done for us, everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us, Lord, for you have taken care of our every need and so much more. Lord, you have blessed us beyond measure. You have never left us wanting or without, and you've given us everything that we need to go through this life and to serve you. And Lord, I'm asking and praying today that you will be upon this ministry, that we will seek you for real that we will take this walk that we have with you more seriously, that we will start living a life of prayer and fasting, that, Lord, if there's anything in our life that we have put in front of you, Lord, whether it be false doctrines, false religions, people, TV, anything, Lord, that places, Lord, that we've placed in front of you, Lord, I pray that we would give those things to you so you can work in our life. Lord, it is so evident that there has been so many false doctrines gone out into the world today. And Lord, as your word says, we need to test the spirits to see if they be of you. Because if they're not, Lord, they are the spirits of Antichrist. And Lord, I'm asking and praying today in the name of Jesus, for you the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, I am praying against all false religions. I am rebuking those spirits today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we will give ourselves over to you so we do not fall by the wayside. So when we hear the word, Lord, that it's not taken away from us. Lord, I am praying today that you will come upon us, Lord, that we will seek your will for our lives, Lord, so we can be the true church, so we can be the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Lord, that when we go out into the world today, that whoever we talk to, Lord, that we take the church with us. Lord, the church is not just coming to Bible study Sunday and Tuesday night, Lord. It is when we go out and we talk to people. 
Lord, your temple is inside of us. Lord, we are the temple. And Lord, I pray that we allow you to live in us so we can go out and preach and teach your gospel boldly, Lord, with a spirit of discernment. Because yes, Lord, to the world it is foolishness. But Lord, you are trying to turn this world back right side up before with the time that we have left. We don't know how much time that we are, we are given, Lord, so we need, to, we need to seek you for real. Lord, we need to know that we can't have this, the gift of the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, Lord. That we can heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes, deaf ears, speak in new tongues. Everything that you said that we could do, Lord, take up any deadly serpent and it would not hurt us. But we have to believe, Lord. We have to have the faith that we can do these things. Lord, we have to have the, the belief and the faith, Lord, that we can cast out demons in the name of Jesus. Lord, because it is only by your name that we can do these things. Lord, you give us the very breath in our lungs. We can't do these things on our own. We can't do these things in carnal thinking. Lord, it's by spiritual thinking, being spiritual-minded, Lord, casting off the old man in Jesus Christ. Let us put on the new man. Lord, let us not want to live a life of sin. Let us not be afraid to give up the things of the former life, Lord, to move forward in you, to get to that perfection level that we do not fall back into sin. Lord, as your word said, it would be impossible. Lord, if we have tasted of the heavenly gifts, that we would go back into sin. Let us have that mindset, Lord. Let us be believe and know that you're the only one that can give us true joy and peace. And all the evil that's going around us, Lord, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of everything that's going on around us. Whether it be financial issues, we can't pay our rent, we can't pay our light bill, phone bill. Let us cry out to the name of Jesus because you will take care of every need, as your word says. But Lord, let us be willing to let go of everything in this life and to take up our cross and to follow you and to serve you. Let us be in this world, but not of this world. Let us be able to take off the blinders, Lord, to put on spiritual eyes to see what's going on around us, Lord, because everything in this world that's going on around us is in your scriptures. Lord, let us seek to have the rhema. Lord, let us seek after spiritual wisdom, godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom. Let us seek after the earlier and latter rain, Lord. I pray that you would put an outpouring of your Holy Spirit so greatly upon this ministry that we would burst at the seams. Set us ablaze, Lord. Set us on fire that we will go out and do what you've called us to do with no fear. No fear of loss of family or friends or job, persecutions, trials or tribulations, Lord. Let us lay our treasures upon heavenly things, Lord. Things of above. Lord, I am so thankful again for everything that you've done for us in this ministry. Lord, I pray that you will build us up every day to bring lost souls to you. Let us hunger and thirst after your word, Lord, after righteousness. Guide and direct and lead us, Lord, into your truths and in all truths, Lord. Let us take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy. Place your shield of protection around us. Lord, let all manner of thought and conversation glorify the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Let us sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to glorify your name. Watch over each and every one of us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.